0: The Supreme Court comes down on the side of sanity and the First Amendment. Biden administration collusion with big tech gets temporarily put on hold. Cocaine mysteriously appears at the White House. And the CDC issues guidelines to assist transgenders in chest feeding. This is Truth in Politics and Culture with Dr. Tony Beam, and it's time to crank it up. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks for listening live, watching live on Facebook and YouTube, or just uh, getting ready to download the podcast today, which will be uploaded in Apple Podcast and Spotify uh, coming up later this morning. Usually, I have it posted within 30 minutes or so after the program is done, Um, so I hope you'll... Tell other people that that's going on and kind of help spread the word about the program. Uh, Yesterday was just one of those days. I don't know if you have them. Maybe it was because it was the first day back after being off for several days and really just spending time with family. I I could have done things around the house on July 4th, but it was July 4th, and I just felt like after Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday of just constant activity with the grandkids – that I needed to take a day to just you know kind of take it easy, uh, do some inside stuff. So that's what I did, thinking, okay, I got the rest of the week. I got Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday to get stuff done. And then yesterday was just a series of distractions. I don't know if you've ever had a day like that, but I, I started out with the show yesterday, the podcast. If you listen to it, you know that I talked about a lot of stuff in the introduction that we were going to get to. And we only got to maybe one or two stories because of how much time I spent on them. Now, I think it was important, but still, I kind of like to stay. I'm, I'm one of those guys that kind of like to stay on schedule. So yesterday, I just blew that all the way around. I, I just I couldn't get stay on schedule. I got distracted, had to go to Spartanburg, had to go somewhere else to do a couple of things, plan to get a lot of stuff done outside, and I got nada done. Uh, ended up last night at Five Forks Baptist Church doing a Bible study and a midweek Bible study and prayer time, which I love to do with those folks. They're such good people at Five Forks. And if you, if you don't have a church home and you live in the upstate of South Carolina within driving distance to Simpsonville, uh, you ought to come check out Five Forks Baptist Church. A lot of people are looking for churches this, these days, something that... And there are plenty of churches out there, a lot of great churches, churches. Uh, and there are churches then that kind of struggle, um, but Five Forks is is a great church. And if you'd like to come and visit, that would be awesome. Sunday morning, our services are at ten thirty. Um, we have uh, Bible study starting at nine thirty, and it's you know midweek services at six thirty. Right now, we're not having a Sunday evening service or a Awana. Uh, because it's the summertime and everybody's out doing their thing, so uh, we'll be back on a regular schedule coming up soon. But you're welcome to come and join us. And and again, I, and after the Bible study on Wednesday night, I was I was I t- took an hour because I'm going through a book by Tim Keller uh, called "The Reason for God" with my oldest granddaughter Caroline. And uh, what a joy to be able to just FaceTime with her, just me and her talking about the Bible, talking about the Lord, talking about Tim Keller's insights into um, how to reach people that are skeptical about their faith and how to be honest about maybe doubts that we may have about our faith, not allowing those doubts to draw us away from the Lord, but allowing them to pull us closer to Him because we're honest about them and we accept what God speaks to us um, through prayer about our doubts and and what the Bible has to say about it. So it was... um, Uh, Just a real busy day yesterday, but just a lot of running around, a lot of distractions. Uh, Some of you may recognize that I'm wearing my North Greenville University colors today. Uh, For those of you who are new to the podcast or new to the live stream, uh, which again, Facebook and YouTube is where we're live streaming, but you can go to the website. You can go to drtonybeam.com. That's Dr. Dr. Just drtonybeam.com. And you can hit the listen live button and you can get a live stream audio that'll let you listen to the program every morning live if that's what you like to do. I did that for 22 years from 7 to 9, Monday through Friday. So a lot of people got into the habit and I wanted them to be able to continue to do that as well as have people be able to download the podcast, which is going to be more focused now on just an hour of content. So... Um, Anyway, uh, North Greenville University is where Christ makes the difference. It's where God has led me for the last—I'm going into my 20th years. I've been there 19 years, and um, I've now started my 20th year at North Greenville University. And what a blessing it is to serve in a place where Christ makes the difference and where we are equipping transformational leaders for the church and society. Uh, we're looking forward to the freshman class coming in uh, shortly, and uh, well, actually, just it won't be long. I mean, this is what July sixth, seventh. What is the date? It's the sixth, and it's just it's amazing how fast the summer goes. I think that's true for me um, and people like me who really like summer. It just seems to go by quicker, whereas the winter just drags by until we get to spring. But. Um, anyway we're looking forward to a, a big freshman class this year at North Greenville University looking forward to a lot of returning students our retention's been good this year and um, I just I just want you to know that North Greenville if you're interested if you're a, a parent or a grandparent or if if you're a student uh, I have people all of all ages listening and and following the program so, uh, whatever age group you fall in, you go to ngu.edu. That's, it's real easy, ngu.edu. And you can check out admissions. It's not too late to apply for the fall. Uh, you can get involved, get engaged. If you're looking for a place where uh, you have a high-quality education, I mean, the, as, as good as you're going to find anywhere in the country, if you're looking for that place in a Christian environment where, biblical values are not mocked but they're actually extolled in the classroom um, and and talked about and debated and uh, I mean it's just a it's a wonderful environment all the way our Christian studies division of course turns out a lot of people that are going to be missionaries or pastors or church staff leaders or working in camps but our we we have our business school has 460 plus majors it's our it's our largest, group of majors at North Greenville University and we're really excited right now we're working on the Donnan project which is going to turn is going to be the home, the landing place for our College of Business and Entrepreneurship and it's also going to provide some much needed needed student hangout space and some really nice offices up to date for our administrative staff, our, our leaders, our executive staff, the president, executive vice president and so forth. So in any event, um, I I just want you to know about NGU. It's made an incredible difference in my life for the last nineteen plus years, and um, I know it can make a difference in your life if you're looking for a for an excellent education that is going to help you find a job. And we we don't have majors like basket weaving or um, you know, female studies and stuff like that. That's not going to, a degree that's not going to get you anywhere. We offer practical, practical degrees online and in the classroom. And we have an amazing graduate school, which is where my office is, the Tim Brazier campus, um, in Greer, where we have a, a PA program, physician, physician's assistant. We have master's level programs, Um, We have uh, D-men and Ph.D. programs that you can get involved in as a cohort and take online. They're kind of hybrid classes. Uh, So many opportunities to expand your horizons. And you know the good news? North Greenville University doesn't have any debt. So we don't pass along the cost of sustaining millions of dollars in, in debt to people who apply, to students. We keep tuition and room and board costs down as low as we can, and we're proud to be listed among the top universities in the Southeast of students when they graduate of having the lowest amount of debt. Because we don't have debt, we want our students to graduate with not a lot of debt. So uh, we realize that sometimes it's, it's necessary Uh, for students to take out short-term loans. But that's what we want them to be, short-term loans, not something that they have to carry for years um, on end in order to pay them off. And North Greenville works hard to do that. So parents, grandparents, if you're looking, students, if you're looking, check out ngu.edu. All right. um, I haven't had a chance to talk about the Supreme Court religious liberty ruling uh, for Lori Smith and 303 Creative. That was handed down last Friday. And of course, I didn't do the show on Monday or Tuesday. And then um, yesterday, I just I got wrapped up in so many other things. So today, we're going to spend some time on it, on it. Lori Smith is the founder of 303 Creative. And 303 Creative is a graphic design company that includes, they do a lot of things. It's not just custom websites, but they include custom websites for weddings. Um, and she became concerned when she started the company. She knew all about, of course, Jack Phillips and the Masterpiece Cake Shop. She knew about the Colorado Civil Rights Committee, which basically is a, is, is a, is a tyranny group that looks for opportunities to suppress particularly Christian speech, it appears, because the Supreme Court ruled in, in uh, Jack Phillips' favor several years ago, that the Colorado Civil Rights Committee actually um, demonstrated animus against his religion. Uh, it was hostile toward him because of his religious beliefs. And then after that ruling, they turned around and were hostile to him again when another citizen came forward to, to challenge um, Jack Phillips and the Masterpiece Cake Shop trying to get them this time. first time it was to bake a cake celebrating a same-sex wedding which Philip said, look, I'll sell you any cake in the shop, but I can't participate on the level of using my gifts and abilities to express something that goes against my deeply held religious beliefs. And so he was sued, of course, and spent years in court. Court ruled in his favor. The day the court ruled in his favor, somebody else came forward, this time transgender, and wanted him to bake a transgender cake for a celebration of transgenderism, and he refused to do it. And here he, here he is back in court again. And I'm really hopeful that this 303 creative decision by the Supreme Court is going to allow his cases to be dismissed and for him to be able to just to go back and run his cake shop, use his incredible creative talents to make cakes and to sell them that, to anybody that comes into the door, but is, but doesn't have to be forced by the government to participate in speech, which there's no participation in speech when you just take care of a customer. But when a customer says, I want you to say something with your gifts and abilities that go dire- that are directly opposed to your deeply held religious beliefs, that's a different matter. That's the, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission trying to force you to take action that you don't believe in. And so Lori Smith knew that this was going to come to her. I mean, she started the business. She realized that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission were going to come knocking. So what she did is she filed a pre-enforcement challenge asking the court to decide on whether the law violated her freedom of speech. Before, she decided, look, this is coming. I just as well step out and, and be proactive and let's get this settled because I'm not going to create a site for a wedding site for same-sex couples, I am going to put information on the website that says that so they know why, um, same-sex couples know why I'm not going to do this, but also making it clear that I'll be glad to sell them or do services for them that, uh, for any other thing. I mean, a, a, a same-sex couple could come in and say, we want a, we- a website to promote our business. Then Lori Smith would be happy to do a website for them She's not discriminating against them. She was simply saying, I won't be forced to go against what I, what I believe, something that is very precious and important to me. Well, the state of Colorado, of course, ruled that Smith did not have the right to choose which messages she would use her talent to express. Now, let that sink in a second, because that's not a lightly presented sentence, Okay. We need to think through these things deeply and not just react with a knee-jerk reaction the way the left does. The state of Colorado ruled. Now think about it. The government of Colorado, when we say the state of Colorado, we're talking about the state government officials, came in and said to Lori Smith that you don't get to decide which messages that you're going to use your talent to express. We get to decide. The government gets to tell you how to live and how to express your messages. And if it violates your religious liberty, well, tough toenails, you're gonna to have to go ahead and put the messages out anyway. So the, 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 and, and in this case, the court went so far as to forbid her from posting a notice on her website. I referred to that earlier, stating that she would be unable to create websites that express messages that were contrary to her Christian beliefs that included abortion services, the celebration of same-sex marriages, or advancing a transgender ideology. All those things were listed on the website. She wanted to put up a notice stating in advance so people would have would understand where she was coming from. Well, in July of, of 2021, the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against Lori Smith and 303 Creative, and they upheld the state of Colorado's restrictive law, curtailing her religious liberty. But last Friday, as we said in the beginning of the program, the Supreme Court reversed that decision, ruling 6-3 to in favor of Lori Smith. Writing for the majority, Neil Gorsuch explained this. This is what he said about the decision. The First Amendment's protections belong to all, not just speakers whose motives the government finds worthy. In this case, Colorado seeks to force an individual to speak in ways that align with its views but defy her conscience about a matter of major significance. Now, that that is about as clearly stated as it can be stated. In this case, Gorsuch says, the state of Colorado wanted to force Lori Smith to speak. This is not a curtailment, of free speech. This is forced speech by the government, making her go against her religious beliefs, defying her conscience, just so that it could that they could force her to align with the government's views on a particular subject. Gorsuch went on to say, consistent with the First Amendment, the nation's answer is tolerance, not coercion. The First Envision, uh, Amendment envisions the United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government demands. Colorado cannot deny that promise consistent with the First Amendment. Now, that's I I I hope that that would be the ruling. I prayed that that would be the ruling. That's the common sense understanding of the plain language of the First Amendment: that Congress shall make no law restricting religion or uh, or promoting rather religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof so congress can't take sides the law the government is not supposed to step in and say this religion is better than this religion or you have to make certain expressions that co- that align with the the understanding of the government about what is right and what is wrong Alliance Defending Freedom General Counsel Kristen Wagner, who argued the case before the Supreme Court, described the win at the court as a win for all Americans. She said, quote, the government should no more censor Lori for speaking consistent with her beliefs about marriage than it should punish an LGBT graphic designer for deciding to criticize same-sex marriage. If we desire freedom for ourselves, we must defend it for others. Now, neither should an LGBT graphic designer, be forced to, to stop criticizing marriage between heterosexuals. An, an LGBT uh, graphic designer shouldn't be forced to enter into a contract to express exclusively heterosexual marriage. In other words, if somebody came to them and said, Look, we, we want you to—an LGBT cake designer— um, or a website designer, and said, we want you to make a cake or design a website that says that, that marriage is between a man and a woman only exclusively, then would, would we say, would, would the left be going nuts today? Would progressives be running around saying, oh, you can't, you know, this was a terrible Supreme Court decision. Uh, you're forcing, If you know, they would want, if, if it went the other way, then they, they would be yowling about the fact that an LGBT baker or website designer was having to say something that went against who they claimed to be, their sexual identity. Um, and yet, because this is a Christian woman, um, a Christian who started the company, 303 Creative, it's perfectly all right if you're going to force her to say things that they ag- would agree with. What this decision means for people like Jack Phillips of the Masterpiece Cake Shop, we don't know yet. I mean, it's, it hasn't been, hopefully, that case the case that I think is still pending against him in Colorado and is, is working its way through the courts because it takes forever that that case is going to be dismissed. Phillips has been in court for well over a decade. Can you imagine? If it wasn't for Alliance Defending Freedom and other... Um, uh, groups that step up and provide free legal advice and legal service and legal protection, willing to go to court, fight these battles, it, it would take one lawsuit like this to bankrupt Christian companies. Masterpiece Cake Shop couldn't afford the legal fees that would be necessary to keep them afloat while their rights are being judged in the courts. I mean, there's no way. So we should thank God every day for groups like Alliance Defending Freedom, for the Beckett Group, for uh, ACLJ, for, um, and that's not ACLU, it's ACLJ. Um, the Amer- uh, let's see, what does that stand for? Um, well, I can't remember. But anyway, it's a, uh, the American Center for Law and Justice, I think. Anyway, it's a, it, it's a group, J. Seculo, that defends the rights of, particularly, of Christians when they come under fire. And if it wasn't for groups like this, these small businesses would be run out of business, which is the goal of the LGBTQ radicals. They want to stifle the free spe- speech of Christians and stop, go after, attack business owners who would say something that they disagree with, that they think in, somehow, in some way is curtailing their rights. But I think it's so important in this this conversation, and we are having a national conversation. The problem is that half of the people in the conversation are not being honest about the facts. Jack Phillips sells cakes to same-sex couples. He doesn't discriminate against them when they come into the shop. Lori Smith will make a website for same-sex couples, for a transgender person, she is not telling them that they don't have the right to come in and take advantage of her services. What she's saying is that the messenger can't force the person that they're asking to put out a message to agree with that message if it goes against their deeply held religious beliefs. So we're, we're waiting to see what the courts do with Jack Phillips. Um, when he appeared before the Supreme Court, at which happened uh, several years ago, but it was in that in the at that time the court ruled in his favor, but it was a narrow ruling that said basically the reason that they were ruling in Jack Phillips' favor was not because they were ready to make a statement about religious liberty, which this court just did, but that they were concerned about the animus toward. Jack Phillips' religion, the hostility that the, the uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission had against Jack Phillips and his religion. So he, he, they rather than finding a way to accommodate Phillips' belief, the state of Colorado went after him, again, showing the same animus against his faith and empowering another citizen to challenge him about transgender ideology, which goes against his Christian beliefs, and put him back in the court's one more time. So, as you can imagine, the far left, the legacy media, and progressives from every quarter are saying this is the coming of the apocalypse for the LGBT community. They say businesses can now deny services to LGBT, LGBT people, which is simply a lie. Sometimes I, I, I don't like to use that word so much to say, but, but when something is a lie, it needs to be called, it's, it's not a falsehood, it's, it's not a, a stretching of the truth, it, it's not a difference of opinion. When, when the LGBT progressives come out and say this decision says that they can't do business in this country, that's a lie. But they know that a lot of people are not going to read these decisions. They know that a lot of people are not going to pay close attention to what the Supreme Court did. There are a lot of people, and I've said this for years, are headline re- headline readers and soundbite listeners. And that's not a criticism of their intelligence. It's a criticism of their lack of curiosity to go beyond a soundbite and beyond the headlines to find out what's actually going on. And so you get, and then you get someone quoted like, how about Supreme Justice Sonia Sotomayor, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor, she said in her dissent, she repeated the lie. She basically said that this was going to curtail the rights of the LGBTQ community. But before getting to that, she repeated falsehoods about the death of Matthew Shepard, and she claimed the Colorado law wouldn't affect Lori Smith's right in any meaningful sense. Really? Really? Forcing someone to express something that they absolutely do not believe, forcing speech out of them that violates their belief in God, their belief in the the truthfulness of the Bible, their belief in Jesus Christ, forcing them to make that decision is not a meaningful thing? I mean, this woman does not deserve to be on the Supreme Court of the United States if she doesn't understand what Lori Smith was trying to get at, that she, if she doesn't understand why Lori Smith said, look, I don't want the court, the government, or anybody else forcing me to go against my Christian beliefs. Now, and, and, and Sotomayor neglected to mention in all of this that Smith specifically said that she would not deny service to anyone due, due to their sexual orientation. And in and, and fact, that's what Jack Phillips has said over the years. So Gorsuch responded to Sotomayor's dissent saying, quote, it's difficult to read this dissent and conclude that we're looking at the same case. Lori Smith never asked for the right to refuse service to any group of people. She asked that she not be forced to produce speech that she doesn't agree with. And so it's very important that we have the facts about this case and about the decision because how badly those facts are now being distorted by the legacy media and progressives are using it as an opportunity to scream about packing the court again. Um, you know, make, going ahead asking uh, President Biden to appoint justices until just like Franklin Roosevelt did, trying to get enough justices to swing the judicial philosophy of the court in the direction of the people that are upset about the ruling. It didn't work for Roosevelt, and it's not going to work if President Biden were to, to decide to do that now. Today, as far as we know, he was, he was asked about this the other day, and he said, no, that packing the court was not the answer. Lori Smith said, this is a victory. Now listen to this. This is, this, is, this is important, what her attitude about this has been. She said, this is a victory not just for me, but for all Americans all across our great country, for those who share my beliefs and for those who hold different beliefs. Whether you are an LGBTQ graphic designer, a Jewish calligrapher, an atheist speechwriter, or a pro-life photographer, the government should not force anyone to say something they don't believe. I love people and work with everyone, including those who identify as LGBT. Uh, For me, she said, get this so I get the quote right, she said, it's always about what message is being requested, never about the person requesting boy that's a that's a succinct succinct statement and that's something you you need to put that sentence in your vocabulary. It's not about the messenger it's about the message being requested. I hope that regardless she went on to say of what people think of me or my beliefs, everyone will celebrate that the court upheld the right for each of us to speak freely. That's exactly what the court did. And the left is having a meltdown. They're having, I mean, they're, they're pitching a fit. Uh, they're criticizing, which there's a, a great piece at National Review today, and the title of it is Democrats Rail Against a Fictional Supreme Court. They make up what they say the Supreme Court is, and then they go out and criticize it. Um, here's, here's the truth about this Supreme Court. Over 47% of the court's cases were decided unanimously this term, and that's up from 28% in the previous term. We just had a unanimous decision on a postal worker's right to not work on the Sabbath. So, suggesting that there's, you know, the, the court needs to find consensus, you get 47%, almost half of the court's cases being decided by. by uh, not just a majority, but unanimously, that comes close to what I think consensus would sound like. Liberals actually found themselves in the majority in 64% of cases, much to the consternation of Republicans like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who believed it was a sign of weakness in Donald Trump's three appointees. But never mind all that. This is all coming from this National Review piece today. Uh, progressives in full. It wasn't over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, mode. But <laughs> I love that. You know that it's an old statement that is making fun of people who are not paying attention. Don't let facts ruin a solid plot line. The liberal misinformation campaign plowed ahead last week as the final slate of rulings were handed down, with conservatives winning on all the big ticket items. That led progressive darling. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to laughably decry a, quote, undemocratic and frankly dangerous authoritarian expression of power, end quote, by the court. Just as the Supremes overturned an earlier effort by President Joe Biden to unilaterally forgive taxpayer money. That's, you know, this, when, when you hear the word forgive and you're talking about student loans, just just erase it from your mind, because to forgive is to get rid of something, is to let something, this is not going to be let go. This money has to be paid. It's just who's going to pay it. That's the debate. Is it the person who takes out the loan, or is it going to be me and you as taxpayers paying off loans that we didn't approve, we didn't ask for, and we didn't need? And that that's where that Supreme Court ruling goes. Um the $400 billion in student loans without any action from Congress, a body that counts AOC as a member. AOC's anger at the Supreme Court for suggesting she have a role, as the Constitution requires, in spending taxpayer money has led to her advocate expanding, uh, advocate, rather, expanding the number of Supreme Court justices. Now, this is where some of this is coming from. And here's, here's some other. How, how about Chris Murphy? He's Connecticut... Um, he's a senator from Connecticut. He took to Twitter to condemn a case in which the court sided with a Colorado-based web designer who feared the state was, would compel her to create sites for gay weddings, which as a Christian, she that would violate her conscience. Quote, this is from Murphy, The Supreme Court is now just a nine-person legislature. Uh, slinging, um, let's see, slinging takes and making law with cases that are basically made up by friendly right wing groups in order to get the new law that they want from their six buddies on the court. Now, Murphy's tweet wasn't just an affront to the AP style book, which would have had him spell out six and nine and hyphenate uh, anyway. But it was it. But but here's here's what it's all about. When it's it's about the the people that are progressive attacking decisions that they don't like while they laud decisions that they do like so it's not about the law for for progressives it's never about the the black letter law that's in front of them things that should be as clear as the first amendment or the second amendment or any of the other amendments it's about what they can get done. They don't, If they don't like the law, then the law is unjust. The, the very fact that they don't like something makes that unjust and against the good for everybody. And that's arrogant um, and it's absolutely untruthful. All right, um, let's move on from that and talk a little bit about cocaine at the White House. You know, <laughs> I never thought I'd be having a conversation with you or with anybody for that matter about white powder, about blow being found at the White House. Um, A a thought just came to me that I I will not entertain. Uh, On Sunday, a suspicious white powder was found at the White House. The building was evacuated while the powder was being analyzed and the circumstances surrounding its appearance investigated. The substance was determined to be a baggie containing Cocaine. So now what? We're leaving dime bags around at the on the White House and in different places. I mean, and and by the way, apparently the Secret Service in the White House can't decide where this baggie was found. Uh, it's been reported. It was reported in the library. It was reported in the cloakroom. It was reported in a, uh, a, a different place in the White House. And finally, they've come down on okay. It was in the cloakroom, which is where people would go. Um, obviously to leave a coat or to put items um, while they go through a White House tour, or they go in as a guest of a White House, staff, White, House, White House staff member. So now they've kind of circled up and said that the cocaine was found in the cloakroom of the West Wing. Uh, who put it there? No one knows. But I think we have to ask the question, who with the last name Biden has recently been linked to drug abuse, including cocaine? Uh, yes, that would be Hunter Biden, who's recently been at the West Wing of the White House. In fact, he was reportedly in the library. Now, I know the president and his wife have been, they went to Camp David, I think, over the weekend, spent the holiday weekend there. But Hunter Biden was, has recently been seen in the library in the West Wing near where this bag of cocaine was found. Uh, now, there's no direct evidence. We need to be clear. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make accusations that I can't back up. But there's, So I'm not saying that it was Hunter Biden's. But I think it, a reasonable person, knowing Hunter Biden's history, and particularly what we know from the laptop debacle, that it's definitely possible that it belonged to Hunter Biden. Um, no evidence right now directly linking him to that, but now here's the thing: if you're holding your breath right now until a link is established, uh, please go ahead and dial nine one one before you pass out. Because there, if you think this is going to come back around to Hunter Biden, this investigation by the Secret Service that we're going to actually hear what happened, that we're going to get some kind of report about the uh, the details of this, forget it. I mean that I, I, that's my opinion, but I just don't think there's any way. That the White House is going to allow this thing, or that the Biden administration, that this is going to be one of those things that that uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, Jean-Pierre Pierre has questions shouted at her repeatedly that she refuses to answer. Uh, President Biden is, when he's asked about this, is going to say something positive about his son and talk about what a wonderful son he is and, and how it's just great. Um, that that he's one of the best people on the planet, even though he's cavorted with prostitutes, he's a known drug abuser, he got kicked out of the Army because of his drug problem, and he's got an illegitimate daughter that the White House continually denies to even acknowledge and that the courts have had to force him to to make payments, uh, child support payments. And all of that news gets in some way suppressed coming out of the White House. Now, sure, it's an embarrassment, but it doesn't matter because, you know, as it's been pointed out on The View, Joe Biden is actually a loving father who's doing the natural thing and protecting his son. Well, let me just say this about that. A true loving father would be honest about the problems that his son is having that are destroying his life and would do everything in his power to try to make sure that his son gets the help he needs to try to get over whatever these problems are, whatever the problems are. For Hunter Biden, it's bad judgment and drug addiction, that that there would be an effort by a loving father to help the son face that honestly and then get the help that they need, not be in complete denial, which is, is what Joe Biden has been, President Biden has been about his own son. But when asked about the cocaine, getting back to the cocaine, when asked about that, I thought Ron DeSantis, Tommy Lauren um, actually interviewed Ron DeSantis and had that this was a good answer to the question about the cocaine being found at the White House. Well, I've long believed, I think a lot of us have believed, that the Biden administration's been blowing it on a lot of fronts. But I guess it's a little bit more literal than even I had thought. I can tell you in Florida, my wife and I, we have a six-five and a 3-year-old running around the governor's mansion. So that's not something that we see. We do have to occasionally get slime out of the carpet and get marker off the wallpaper. But that's the extent of our adventures at the governor's mansion. And here at the Beam household, what you have to watch out for are Legos on the floor. I mean, I don't know if you've ever stepped on a Lego when you were barefoot, and if you stepped on one with shoes on, it can put you on the floor. But if you step on one with bare feet, I mean, I'd rather walk over hot coals. So I, I can identify with Governor DeSantis here. You're not going to find cocaine. You're not going to find illegal substances here. But, but you might find evidence that there's a functional family taking place that's trying to pass on uh, values to the next generation. And you know, obviously, making a pun on the fact that, <laughs> you know, that that we know the Biden administration has been blowing it on a lot of fronts. Um, it, it, DeSantis has a sense of humor. Uh, now we know Trump does. I'm not saying other candidates don't. Tim Scott's got a great sense of sense of humor, um, and we could go on. But I'm just saying that in this particular case, uh, that was a. I think that was a pretty good answer. Um, you, you would have to know who are the other suspects? I mean, I think that's a natural question that we would ask here. Um, it's, it's a long list, but it is manageable. It could be someone who visited the White House. It could be someone who was a guest of a staffer. I mean, it's not like the White House doesn't have, they've had the Southern Poverty Law Center has been in and out of there 20 times since Biden, uh, well, I think it's uh, 20 times in the last 14 months. Um, I mean, so, it, 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 it could, could it be somebody from that organization? Could it be somebody who came when transgender, when they were having Pride Month at the White House and bringing in a lot of people who I think probably have a lot of problems and drug addiction may be one of them? Uh, obviously, again, it could be Hunter Biden. We, we don't know. But here's the other thing. 24-7 surveillance cameras in the White House, even in the West Wing, I mean, now they're not surveillance cameras, of course, in the Biden's living space, but in the West Wing of the White House, you you can't tell me that we couldn't go back and look at surveillance tapes that of what's going on in the White House and figure out who decided to drop a baggie in the cloakroom and just kind of leave it there. Um, I, I I mean, it's it is it possible that fingerprints could be found? Uh, but, but just imagine, I, I, you know, when I think about this thing, the thing that blows my mind, uh, no pun intended, is to imagine for a minute somebody missing their bag of cocaine and then realizing they left it at the White House. Well, oh, I must have dropped that in the cloakroom. I, it, it's surreal. I mean, th- this surpasses any kind of thing that I can remember as, as just being bizarre. Uh, now, this matters, Why does this matter? Okay, it wasn't a poison, thank God. It wasn't something that was used to attack the White House or people in the White House, Um, although cocaine laced with fentanyl uh, can be pretty deadly, but there's no evidence that that was the case. But it matters because the American people already believe that the Justice Department has its finger on the scale, tipping it in favor of some and tipping it in the favor of of uh, uh, against the favor of others, using a hammer on some people while turning a blind eye to other people's troubles. If this turns out to be Hunter Biden or somebody who works there, there should be an expectation that justice is done just like if it was you or I who walked in there and decided to drop a, a dime bag of cocaine. This administration that promised to be the most transparent in history, it's not going to discuss this or any matter it determines to be private. Things that could be an embarrassment, they just won't talk about it. You can shout at President Biden all you want; these report it. He's not going to talk about it. Karine Jean Pierre is not going. To, she's going to find a reason. She's just going to say, I'm, and she doesn't really give a reason. Many times, she just says, "I'm not going to talk about it." In a transparent administration, that makes no sense. It's important. That we find out what's true about this case. All right. Uh, federal judge blocked the Biden administration from meeting with big tech social media companies. This is an important ruling because it could have huge consequences for the first for First Amendment rights. The order to stop the Biden administration and to stop Biden administration officials from meeting with social media companies came from Trump-appointed federal judge Terry Dowdy in Louisiana he ordered certain Biden federal agencies and more than a dozen top Biden officials from communicating with social media companies. Now, he's, he named certain people in the Biden administration that said, look, I don't want you communicating with social media companies on topics that are related to the suppression of free speech. He, he said, because a lot of these social media companies are being told to take down information in a violation of free speech, and that this, he he found this to be absolutely deplorable. Now, this is a win. It's a win for the attorneys general in Missouri and Louisiana. They sued the government in 2022 for censoring content that was considered to be COVID misinformation, and the judge said the two attorneys general produced evidence of a massive. Now this is that's his words, not mine. The judge who looked at all the evidence in this case presented by Missouri and Louisiana, a massive effort by the White House and federal agencies to suppress speech based on its content. Now can you see what is, is there a relationship here between what the Supreme Court just ruled in 303 Creative and the suppression here of free speech? This administration has a theme running through it. And the theme is, if you don't agree with them, shut up. If you don't agree with them, we'll use the force of government to make you shut up. Now, this is a preliminary ruling issuing a temporary injunction, but it could indicate how the judge is likely to rule later on the merits of the case. Um, The agencies, what agencies are we talking about? We're talking about HHS. Uh, the CDC, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. Well, we got Anthony Fauci back in the news again. Also, the Justice Department is on the list. The judge said the Justice Department doesn't need to be talking to these social media companies, and neither does the FBI, specifically. Uh, It targeted Biden administration Surgeon General Vivac Murphy, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. These officials and agencies are banned from flagging or posting content on social media sites and then forwarding that content to to media companies, urging, encouraging, this is a quote, quote, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner for removal, deletions, or reduction of content containing protected speech. The judge said if the allegations are proven to be true, it would be, quote, the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. Finally... Somebody with the uh, legal sense and legal ability to see this for what it is is saying publicly exactly what it is. It's a massive attack against free speech. Exceptions to the ruling. Now, the judge said, look, I'm not talking about posts about criminal activity. I'm not talking about posts that are about criminal conspiracies, national security threats, threats to election security um, things like that, the, that's not what. That's not what's on the table here. That's not what the problem is. But they can't pressure platforms to take down content that they simply don't like. Now, if we go back and think about the Twitter files report and a report that Congress provided, um, the Oversight Committee and the House provided compelling evidence that the Biden administration did pressure social media companies like Twitter and Facebook to suppress content Particularly content about the 20 in the lead up to the 2022 election and the 2022 midterms. And so this is what the judge is concerned about. We know that Twitter, uh, we know for a fact that Twitter censored the Hunter laptop story after the administration pressured them to do so. We found that out from the Twitter files. I mean, that's this is not speculation anymore. I mean, this is compelling evidence that the Twitter files put forth to that fact. A White House official has said that they're reviewing the court's decision and they'll be evaluating its options in the case. The official defended the Biden administration, saying that they've promoted responsible actions to protect public health, safety, and security when confronted by challenges like COVID, the COVID pandemic and foreign attacks on our elections. Uh, that's end quote. They also said that social media platforms have a critical responsibility to take account of the effects that their platforms have on the American people. No, social media companies have a critical responsibility if they're going to put, if they're going to have a free speech platform to allow free speech to be on the platform without government intervention and and government interference. And that's what exactly what the judge is concerned about now. This is kind of late-breaking. The story was out today of what the Biden administration plans to do about this, and this is not a big surprise. I mean, the Biden administration has decided that they're going to fight it. Uh, they're going to go. They're going to um, come against this ruling and try to figure out how to get it overturned. They're going to appeal the ruling. This is coming from Daily Wire. Biden administration revealed on Wednesday plans to appeal a judge's order blocking several government agencies and officials from contacting social media companies. Lawyers with the Department of Justice filed a notice of appeal in the United States District Court for the Western District of Louisiana setting up a clash over U.S. District Judge Terry Doherty's state uh, judgment on July 4th. Doherty, who was nominated to his position by former President Donald Trump, granted the injunction in a lawsuit brought in 2022 by the GOP Attorneys General of Louisiana and Missouri. Um, the judge's order restricts a number of officials and agencies from having contact with social media companies. And, of course, it, it affects White House officials. It includes, we've already talked about the list of people, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre um, and, and others from having that con- any contact with these companies. And so now the White House is going to war. They're going to appeal the case. And we'll, this is going, how this plays out. I mean, all these cases, can I, I, I don't remember. Now, I haven't done any research on this, so I, I'm, it's off the top of my head, but I don't remember any other administration where we had so many cases that were getting into the courts about the government's power to stop speech or to control speech. This is a progressive administration that doesn't believe, they do not believe in free speech. They do not like the First Amendment. I think that's pretty clear. And they wanna do whatever they wanna do, regardless of what the Constitution guarantees the American people. This is exactly why our founders put the Bill of Rights in as part of the Constitution. Thank God for the states that demanded a Bill of Rights before they would ratify the Constitution. Because if we didn't have them, um, our rights would have been taken away a long time ago under other progressive administrations. But this administration has been particularly aggressive in the way that they've been going after people's rights. All right, this, this final story, um, I, I I almost lost it when I actually talked about it in the opening of the show. But this is the headline from Fox News. And I want you just to, if, if you're driving, you might want to pull over. Um, if you're doing something that uh, needs, you need to make sure you get all the facts straight or that you have concentration, you, you might need to put that aside just to hear the, the headline of this story. Fox News, this is Gabrielle Hayes. CDC gives guidance for trans people chest feeding, and that's in quotes, kids accused of failing to consider possible health risk. Yeah, I could see how there could be a health risk associated with transgender chest feeding. Here's the story. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's official website published advice for trans and non-binary individuals on seeking guidance on how to chest feed they're infants. I, I'm 65 years old, ladies and gentlemen, and I thought that I couldn't be stunned anymore. I don't know if you've seen the Avengers, the original Avengers movie. I think it came out in 2012, where you have Captain America um, you know, saying that it would be impossible, making a bet that he could not be surprised about anything because he's seen so many things. He bets $10.00 that he, he can't be surprised. And when he gets on an aircraft carrier that actually lifts up out of the water and flies through the sky and then disappears with some kind of cloaking device, he whips out the $10 and pays up. Because, I mean, Nick Fury turns out to be right, that there are still some surprises. Here I am, 65 years old, I'm thinking to myself, I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've read all kinds of stories. The CDC – this is because the Biden administration issued – these orders president biden issued orders to every government agency to find every way possible to facilitate transgender and same-sex accommodations and this is just this is just one of them. this is the centers for disease control and prevention these people are responsible for policies that affect our lives things like recommending vaccine mandates before you can put your children in school things i mean there's a lot of power in these government agencies, and for them to entertain the idea that there could be some kind of guidelines for chest feeding—what in the world is chest feeding? I mean, that's—I, I, we, I mean, I think I know what they're trying to get around. It's—it's—it's it's, it's two things. There are women who have had their breast removed because they want to become a man, and now they—but they've decided they want to breastfeed a baby. And that makes it difficult once you have the mechanism for breastfeeding taken away. So is it possible for someone to be able then to, even though they've gone through transgender surgery, to to chest feed instead of breastfeed? And of course, if you're a male trying to become a woman, um, you don't have breast, or if you've got prosthetic breast or breasts that have been somehow added to you, um, they're not necessarily producing milk because they were never created or intended to be that way. And so you, the CDC is trying to figure out, okay, how can we help you come over uh, or come get around this problem? In sections of the major health institutions, uh, institute's guidance on breastfeeding, it contained information for those who have had much of their breast removed or gender reassigned surgeries or for biological men taking hormones to grow breast, on how to feed their newborn children. Now, here's a question. Who had the children? If it was a woman who's become a man, is she now pregnant and having a baby and wants to breastfeeding, even though she wants to be a man or chest feed? If it's a, if it's a man becoming a woman, um, you, wh- how is this going to work when biologically, can we get back to science, please? Biologically, this is not how a man was designed. Now, As you can imagine, several doctors have criticized the guidance, not simply because the CDC has appeared to guide biological men and how to breastfeed children, but because they claim the CDC has failed to gauge the risks. And this is unbelievable that this is the Centers for Disease. This is what happens when political ideology and left-wing crazy takes over a government agency. They, they're not even thinking about the risk posed to children drinking milk produced by chemicals used in gender reassignment medical operations. Do you want to feed? I mean, an infant some type of product that's generated for by men or by women who have had their breast removed, finding some kind of way. Just we, we we just have to be treated like we're normal, even though there's nothing normal about men chest feeding, and women trying to breastfeed after their breasts have been removed. In the CDC's website section on health equity considerations, that's a title on the website, health equity considerations, found under its Infant and Young Child Feeding Toolkit, the center declared that transgender and non-binary gendered individuals may give birth and breastfeed or feed at the chest. And then in uh, quotes, one word, Chest feed. It also stated that gender identity or expression of transgender individuals is different from their sex at birth, and that the gender identity of non binary gendered individuals does not fit neatly into either man or woman. Yeah, it really does fit neatly into man or woman. And anytime you try to violate that, you're going against God's created order. You're going to create this kind of chaos. This is what happens when you deny absolute truth, when you deny biological science. For years, progressives have have accused conservatives, particularly Christian conservatives like me, for talking about things that they say, we don't know anything about the science. You have to follow the science. Just let the science make the decision but when it comes to this kind of nonsense science gets thrown on the trash bin in the trash bin of history and this is the kind of stuff that we have to deal with and we have to take it seriously and i want to laugh and cry at the same time laugh because it's so ridiculous and cry because it's so ridiculous and that people would actually take this stuff seriously all right. I hope you've enjoyed the program today. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, I hope this means this day's starting out a little better than yesterday. I actually got through the topics that I wanted to cover. Um, I appreciate you listening to the show. Once again, you can go to drtonybeam.com. That's drtonybeam.com. And you can find other ways to connect to the program, Politics and uh, Truth. Uh, let's see, Truth and Politics and Culture. Um, I, I should be able to come up with the name of my own show, but it, it's, you know. Uh, but thanks for listening today. God bless you. Join us tomorrow at 7.30 live. And don't forget, you can download the podcast from Apple Podcasts or you can download it from Spotify. You should be able to download it just about anywhere you can find a podcast. See you in the morning, 7.30.